Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Well, and that you've uh, filled your house with the presence of God as we have here in the room. And uh, we're so expectant for what God is going to do in your life through the series that we're doing. So, as Trish mentioned, we, uh, we are taking time to reconnect or realign with our vision as a church. So, you know, our vision isn't changing as a church. We're, we're not changing anything, all right? We're still doing what we normally do. We still want to be that healthy church that starts other healthy churches. We still, after our goals, our goals are not changing. We want to be a thousand strong, a hundred young. We want to have 24-7 pray. We want to see the power of God in ourselves. Our goals don't change. Our vision hasn't changed. But the question is, how do we accomplish our vision as a church? You know, if all we have is a really good vision statement and a nice big vision on the board, but we don't have a plan on how to get there, then at the end of the day, our vision is an illusion. It's wishful thinking. It's like we're just hoping for it to happen. There has to be something that every single one of us can do, that we can come together and put our gifts and our skills together so that we can achieve so much more and so we have a honking good vision in this church <laughs> um, I showed a picture of some geese flying in a V formation a couple of weeks ago and this is just a beautiful picture you know geese are an in- incredible bird and and they fly in a V formation because they can go so much further like that they can actually go 70% further than what they could if they were just flying alone and so this is what we're looking for as a church what it, what is our v formation how how do we how can we align our gifts how can we what can we all do to come together so that there is a we expression and i've been speaking a lot over the last couple of weeks about the fact that church is not a me expression. We're, we're, you know, we're declaring war against that idea. You know, there's this mentality in the world today that church is just as like, it's about me and my spiritual walk and my destiny and my purpose with God. And yes, yes, it is about you. And yes, it is about you maturing and becoming all that God's called you to do. But church is a people. It's not a brand. It's not a building. It's not, we don't associate with it. With it. It's a people that have come together, that have knitted their lives together and said, you're going to be my brother. You're going to be my sister in the Lord and we're going to walk together and we're going to do life together and if we come into formation together we can accomplish so much there's a city church that can change because we as every nation Durban just get our lives into formation if we're just a bunch of me's in the room the impact will be so small in comparison to what we could do together and so we're going after this man we're going after what can we do together how can we align together and and I want to show you a picture of our V formation our, our V formation looks like this, okay? If we're going to fly in sync with each other, it looks like this. It looks like being 
faithful to connect, grow, and serve. And being fruitful to reach, disciple, and impact. Right? This is our V formation as a church. This is the culture. And when I say V, I mean vision formation, okay? <laughs> this is our vision formation. This is, if we can come into a V like this, if we can all be faithful to connect, and I spoke about that last week, if we can be faithful to connect, if we can be faithful to grow in our walks with God, if we can be faithful to serve with our gifts and talents like we've had already people serving us this morning, but if we can also be fruitful in reaching people and discipling others and living lives of impact, I can tell you now, if all of us come into alignment with that, we will accomplish way beyond our vision. <laughs> if, we can, we, if every one of us just did that every week, you would find we would arrive at our vision so easily, so effortlessly. And so this is our plan, church. This is the formation. We're coming into alignment. And we're just preaching about this for the next couple of weeks. Last week I spoke about being faithful to connect. Today I want to be t- talk about uh, being faithful to grow. Okay, that's our message for today. But if you look at the faithful part, faithful is really about our ministry to the body. It's our ministry to each other. That's what faithful is. That's where we need to be faithful. Faithful to connect. Faithful to grow and serve. Fruitful is about our ministry to the world. Being faithful to the great commission, to the calling, to the destiny, to the, to the purpose that God has for our lives. So faithful is about this in the room. Fruitful is about that outside the room. A healthy church is one where we have a good uh, faithfulness towards each other, but we're also being fruitful out there in the world. It's not just a us thing, but it's a, we've got our eyes on nations. And we pray and praise like, Lord, give me the nations, you know. Uh, Lord, give us the city, uh, like John uh, Knox prayed, you know, give me Scotland or I die. We sh- our prayer should be, give us Durban or we die. <laughs> that we really care about the city at the end of the day. And, and that talk, so fruitfulness talks about that, what we, what we want to accomplish for the Lord out there, what we want to see His kingdom come and do in our city. So we want to be faithful and fruitful as a church. And that's what we believe is a, a healthy church. So without further ado, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and I want to talk about building a culture where we're faithful to grow. Can you say faithful to grow? Can I see some leaves in the chat section or plants or <laughs> something? <laughs> just, to, just so we know you're out there and engaging, okay? Um, faithful to grow. But before we, before we go to 1 John 2, let's, let's just pray our prayer before we get into the Word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, it brings healing, it brings direction. So we treasure your word more than our daily bread. In this moment, we boldly confess that our minds are alert and our hearts are receptive. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. All right. Are you in 1 John 2? 1 John chapter 2. Let's read. This is going to be our anchor scripture for today. It says, I write to you. Who? Come on in the room. Little children. All right. Can you say little children in the room? 
Great. I'm getting little children's, all right? I hope you've got some at home. I write to you little children. He's being specific about who he's writing to. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And then he says, I write to you fathers. Can you say fathers? Again, he's being specific. Another group of people. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men. Can you say young men? Brilliant. Another group. Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the Father. I write to you fathers because you have known Him who is from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Alright. Amen. Let's pause over there. So, this letter was written by the Apostle John. And most likely, this letter was written towards the end of his life. Some people say well, he was in his 80s. Some people say he was in his 90s, possibly, even when he wrote this letter. So this is one of the, the oldest, uh, or the, the, let's say, the oldest writings of the New Testament in terms of years, but it's the, the freshest one that we have. Okay? And it's interesting that John was writing this right at the end of his life. I mean, he is an old man now when he's writing this. And I just want to remind you this morning that, that when Jesus chose John, John was a teenager. Some say he could have been about 16 years old when Jesus found him that day with his brother James and they were on the, on the boat pulling up their fishing nets and Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. So just a teenager when Jesus chose him. Can you imagine that? All right, And now he's at 90s, right at the end of his life, and he's writing this epistle to, to us. And so what we see is a lifespan of a man here. We see, you know, from the, in the scriptures, we see right from his, the start, his first encounter with Jesus. Now we're seeing something right at the end. And it's very interesting, I notice, when, when you look at um, Jesus, you know Jesus is, he's so cool, man. <laughs> Jesus had nicknames for his disciples. So he called Simon the Rock, okay? Like, maybe because he was buff like me. I don't know. You know, he was just like the Rock, okay? Buff, alright? <laughs> you know, so he called Simon the Rock. That was like his nickname. And, and he had a nickname for John as well, and his brother James. Does anybody know what the, John's nickname was? Him and his brother, Jesus called them Sons of Thunder. That's what he called them. I, don't you think that's cool? Sons of thunder. The actual translation of that word thunder is commotion. So, you know, we get an idea of who John and his brother James were. These two teenagers who Jesus nicknamed sons of thunder. Can you, can you just try and imagine what that means? I mean, Sons of Thunder to me sounds like a heavy metal band or like some Harley Davidson gang. You know, that's what Sons of Thunder sounds like to me. But, you know, it, really what he was saying is they, they were, what we understand is that they were rambunctious, fervent, zealous, wild young men. Men who were like full of life, who wanted to take everything. You know, they were, they were ambitious young men. And so he called them the Sons of Thunder. And we get a picture of this in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is traveling with sons of thunder and, and the rest of his disciples and they're going through 
the Samaritan town. Remember, they're Jews, okay? And they're going through the Samaritan town. So there was this whole, like, racial divide between Jews and Samaritans. Like, you know, we talk about racism in South Africa. Man, they had it on steroids as well, okay? The, the Samaritans lived here. The, the Jews lived over there. And they were going through the Samaritan town. And they could see, like, they're on their way to Jerusalem, but they were, never, they were not going to get there in time. They needed to spend the night in, in that town. And so Jesus sent them out saying, go get some accommodation for us. And some of the disciples came back and said, there's no accommodation. Nobody wants us to stay here. Can you believe it, guys? Can you believe that like Jesus like, was not welcome in that town? So it was literally like, we heard that you Jews, we heard that you're going off to Jerusalem. Keep walking. Keep walking. Don't, don't come stay here. And so Sons of Thunder heard this. And they were outraged. They were like, what? And they said to Jesus, Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven to consume them? Like they want some apocalyptic moments here. They want, you know, like Elijah in the Old Testament when King Ahaziah was sent soldiers to get Elijah. And they said, man of God, come down from the mountain. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Fifty people gone. The next soldiers came. And they, and they did the same thing. And he said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Fire fell down from heaven and consumed them. Eventually the third group of soldiers came. They were like, yo, man of God, please. We have wives, we have children. <laughs> please, please come down from the mountain. And Elijah came down from the mountain. So obviously, sons of thunder, John and James, had these, these, they were immersed in the scriptures. They knew the power of the gospel. They knew that someone greater than Elijah was here with them. They knew they had the Messiah. They thought this was a fire moment. <laughs> this was the moment where we roasted an entire town in judgment. Sons of thunder. And Jesus had to rebuke them and say, guys, no, (laughs) I haven't come to bring judgment, but to bring life. I've come not to destroy, but to bring salvation. They just had the timing mixed up. They weren't like sure, you know, what was going on. And so Jesus, they got a rebuke from Jesus. But it's interesting now, when you read... The epistles of John, John 1, John 2, John 3, John, when you read them there, now this is a man at the end of his walk with Jesus, okay, 90 something, you know, life has tempered him, circumstances have tempted him, he's, he's, he's come to a place now, and when you read these epistles, what you find is that the word love appears over 40 times just in the first epistle. And, and in fact, love is just a constant theme in, the, in these apostles. It's just light and darkness, love, and, and, and is coming through. And, and so this son of thunder, actually now in the church age, has a nick, another nickname. He's known as the apostle of love. That's, that's like in, you know, church fathers, you know, theology, Bible classes. You, the, you talk about the, the apostle of love, you're talking about John. That's who you're talking about. And so what we see is son of thunder to apostle of love. In short, what happened to this guy? He grew. He grew. He grew in his knowledge of Jesus. He grew in the understanding of the times 
and what the church age is about. The church age is not where we call fire down from heaven. The church age is the season of grace, where the message of the gospel of peace goes out and let anyone who hears it get saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the time of grace. Judgment is coming. There is a time when Jesus comes back. That's when judgment will come. And so John now understands that. And so what's his main message is it's love. It's the love of God. You can be a child of God. That's what goes on. He grew in faith. He grew in love. And I mean, he grew in revelation. This is the guy who wrote the book of the revelation. We know he grew in perseverance because... You know, according to history, he was uh, sentenced by Emperor Domitian to death by boiling in oil. And they put him in a pot to try and boil him because of his faith, and he was unscathed. No matter how hot they made that pot, (laughs) he got out and he was totally fine, and it freaked everybody out. So they put him on the island of Patmos in exile, where he couldn't influence people, because they couldn't kill him. I mean, we're talking about a man of faith, a miracle. So they try to poison him as well. No poison could kill him. I mean, we saw, you know, some people say that in the Isle of Patmos that he actually didn't die, that he was just, you know, like Elijah, was caught up into heaven <laughs> because it seemed like the apostle they couldn't kill. <laughs> what happened to this guy? This young, rambunctious, fervent, zealot kind of guy was that he grew. He grew in love. He grew in his knowledge of Jesus. He grew in the times that he was in. And, and so what we see in, in, in his life is really what we should be seeing in our lives as well. We should be able to look back on our walk with the Lord and see that we started like this, you know, and, and, and that we've grown over the years, that we've become more like Jesus in our walk with God, that we've grown in faith, that we've grown in our fervency. We shouldn't look back on our early years in Christ and go, oh, that's the time when I did crazy things for Jesus and I was so excited, but now I just watch online church and that's my expression of Christianity. And No, 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 you were, you were supposed to take that fire and mature it and grow it and get wise about it. So it's not just random fire, but you were supposed to take it and, and plug it into something that could then become fruitful and there would be a legacy and, a, and generations and you, you, that, that was given to you to steward over the years. We should, we should look back and see this pattern of growth in our lives like we see in John, John's life. And so there's this idea in the New Testament that we need to, that we need to grow. Okay? He writes in this, in this passage we've just written, he writes to who? To three groups, little children, young men, and then to, to fathers. And this is a man who's at the end of his life and he's looking back on the church and he's writing to all the churches in, in, in the Roman Empire and, and he's basically identifying and he's saying there's groups of people here that I'm writing to. There's new guys, there's babies, there's guys, young children, all right? They've, they've just come to faith in Jesus. But then there are these young men, they're, they're full of fire and they've overcome the evil one and they, the word of God is living in them. And then there's this other group called fathers. There's these mature in the faith as well. And so he's writing to these different groups. And what does that tell us? It tells us that, that this is the growth that we go through as believers, is that there is a journey for us. And the goal is fatherhood. I'm using it generically, ladies, okay? So it's motherhood, fatherhood, young men, young women, you got it, okay? But, it, but it's this, there's this growth that should be taking place in our lives. And the goal is to fatherhood. There's, there should be a maturity that we're aspiring to in the faith. 
And this idea is consistent throughout the New Testament. I want to show you another scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 11 that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, okay? Um, and prophets. And the, and the reason why God has given these gifts, these certain, there are certain people who are wired with this gifting. The reason why God has given them is what? It says, for equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So God gives this, these gifts, these people who are wired in a particular way, gifted in a particular way, to equip the saints, to equip the church for the work of ministry. The question is, who does the work of ministry? The saints. Okay, so I want you to notice here that the, that the model of church is this, is that we don't have a select gifted few who do all the work of ministry. The model in the Bible is that we that, that group equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to do what God to be the body of Christ. And then it carries on for the edifying of the body. So not only to equip the body, but to build up and strengthen the body. So that, okay, why? Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we come to some sort of united understanding of who Jesus is. And the knowledge of the Son of God. I want you to pay attention now. To a perfect man. Can you say a perfect man? And to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's just pause on that for a moment. Paul is, tr- is trying to say, guys, there's this fivefold gifting to equip, to edify, so that we all come to this maturity, to this, that word perfect is actually the word teleos, which means complete or mature, a full age. That's what it means, teleos. So we become this teleos man. To, and that man must be none less than the stature and the fullness of Christ. So this, this basically tells us that there's, we cannot have a mindset that some are gifted and anointed to be like Jesus and do the things of Jesus, but the rest of us, we can coast and we can applaud and we can support and we go, yay champ. No, this is telling us the fivefold there is to bring us all to that place of maturity. A healthy church is one where we are telios, okay? Where, where every person is a telios. There's a maturity in each of us. Man, we can all prophesy. We can all lay hands on the sick. We can all share this gospel. We can all reach someone. We can all disciple someone. We can all live a life of impact. We can all change the world. There's a maturity to us. We're not just hearing great testimonies of these anointed few out there, but the whole body is telios. And then he carries on and he says, let's carry on reading. It says, so that we should no longer be, what? Children. Can you see the emphasis here? Stop being a kid, all right? (laughs) Stop being a child in the faith. There's a maturing process that you need to go to. And then he goes on and describes how children are. They're tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by Netflix, 
in National Geographic, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting of the Gospels of Judas and the Da Vinci Code. But, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. Grow up in love. Grow up in faith. Grow up in our knowledge of the Scriptures. Grow up in mercy. Grow up in the grace of God. Into all things. Grow up in all things into who is the head, which is Christ. Your destiny is to be like Jesus. He was meant to, he was the firstborn among many brethren, the Bible says. That, that the path that we're on, and we should never be satisfied until we are living like Jesus in this world. With the same spirit that rose him from the dead lives in us. And it never gives up trying and working against our flesh till we come to that place where, where we're like, after a span of, of time and walking with the Lord that we, that we are like Jesus in this world. Colossians 1 verse 28 says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, teleos, in Christ Jesus. The goal... I want you to see this. Paul went around planting churches and preaching in various locations. But he said this, all my teaching was, was, was in warnings, in encouragements, in wisdom. But I had a goal in mind. And the goal was every man perfect in Christ. How's that for a good vision for our church? <laughs> all of us growing to maturity in Christ. That was his ministry goal. I want to see you mature in your faith. When he arrived in a town, found a group of disciples, and he worked with them for a number of years, he had a goal. Christ in them, the hope of glory. Them being like Jesus in the world. Talios to the world. So, how, how does scripture define little children? Well, from that scripture, what we see is that and from life, we know that little children are full of wonder. They, they're easy, you know, they believe. And, and that's why he said, you know, we write to you little children because you know your sins are forgiven you. And when we start this walk with Jesus as little children, we're like, that's all we know. I'm forgiven. <laughs> yeah, my past is gone. I've got a new start. That's, that's all we know. We, and we're ready to believe. There's a hunger to know more. But the, the challenges with little children is that we, we, we can easily be led astray. We can easily be led distracted. We can be led astray by every wind of doctrine, by false things out there. And what does that tell us about little children? Is this? It tells us that their depth of the word is not there yet. So there's a, they haven't yet plunged into the depths of the gospel of grace and understand why the gospel is different to any other philosophy or uh, ideology that's in the world and how it trumps all of that. They, they haven't yet plunged into um, the depths of God's grace and the goodness of God and wrestled with you know, the suffering of the world and why we see... And they, so there's, so they're, they're, they can be easily led astray by false doctrines and false teachings and stuff. And so what the scripture is telling us is the depth of the word is not there. And so, that's an idea of what little kids are like. Um, I want to take you to two other passages which describe little children. So the first one is the, the depth of the word is not there. The second one is, is seen in 1 Corinthians 3, and verse 1 to 3. It says, I write to you, 
sorry, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as a as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So let me just retract a little bit here. Paul's writing to a church that he went to and started, and now he's he's writing to them many years later, and he's saying, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but to as as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Can you hear the disappointment? Like, you're still babies? Like, are you kidding me? After everything? (laughs) And then he carries on and says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? What do we learn from that is that Immaturity is equated with living carnally. So, you know, we know in real life children are very flesh-driven, carnal-driven. You know, they're tired or hungry. They they let everybody know. <laughs> um, but what Paul is saying here is that immaturity in the faith is is acting carnally. So if you if you see like if the world is full of gossip and slander and backbiting. And immature Christians, you, you see the same thing. They haven't yet mastered their carnal nature. They're still taking on the patterns of this world. They're still living licentiously. They haven't yet learned how to overcome that. So immaturity in the faith is, firstly, not having that knowledge of the word, but secondly, not overcoming the carnal nature. I'll show you another one, third one, last one. Hebrews 5 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. We think it was, I think it was Paul. But here he's writing to another group of people. And what is he disappointed about? That maturity is not there yet. And how does he describe maturity? He describes it as being able to reproduce. As it, you know, he looks at them and he says, you ought to be teachers by this time. In other words, you ought to be giving away what you've learned. You need to be reproducing, living some sort of life of impact. But like, I still got to teach you again. And you can hear the disappointment here that this is, this is like I was expecting maturity and I didn't find it. Which, which brings us to the issue. Okay, The issue on the table is this, is that... We, we grow physically whether we like it or not. Amen? I mean, puberty came and we didn't have a choice. Amen? It just, it was thrust upon us. And now, you know, it all, it all started happening and, and we, and we aging, we're getting older and getting a few grays, you know? Physical maturity is de facto. It's, it, it is, it happens. But spiritual, relational, and emotional maturity are not de facto. They are not automatic. They require us to take responsibility for our own growth. And this is what I wanted to drive home to us today, church, is that we're going to grow and mature physically, but are we growing spiritually at the same time? It's not going to be automatic it's not going to be just like it's going to happen. There has to be something from us that says, I want to grow. I want to become that Telios man. And 
And so what we have in the body of Christ is this, is that people have been Christians for many years, yet they have never grown in their knowledge of the Word. They haven't yet mastered their carnal nature, and they're not reproducing. They're babies in adult bodies. And they when we Christians, when I was young, when we were, we were, you know, they're always talking about like when they were on fire for Jesus. Man, that's not going to be our testimony, amen? Come on, can I hear an amen for that one? Amen. We're going to steward our fire, amen? Become more fervent in spirit. And, and so, you know, they're, they're, they're like, imagine like adult men, imagine I was dressed in a baby bib this morning and had my dummy and, you know, somebody had to bring me in on my in my little cart or you know like it's ridiculous it's like crazy what are you what what's going on here but spiritually this is how many of us are in the body is that is we're we're a whole lot of babies at the end of the day we haven't yet matured to fatherhood or motherhood in the faith and many churches are actually fine with this there is a model of church that's out there that's really happy with the congregation staying as babies and then and and leadership like we're we're gonna we'll we'll give you milk and we'll pray for you and we'll look after you and we'll counsel you and and we like you being dependent on us and and you just need to sit and and just have your milk every sunday and and be pampered and be looked after and we will we'll care for you and just don't worry but you know and there's never a challenge there's never a like, hey, it's time for you to learn how to pray. <laughs> it's time for you to start serving and, and make a difference in the world. There's, you know, there's never a challenge. It's always just about you filling a pew. There is a model that's out there. But then there's also a church where growth is a value. Where when you arrive, you challenge from day one to get better in, in your character. You challenge to be a better husband, to be a better father, to, to grow in your capacity in impacting the world, in reproducing after yourself and making a few dis- disciples and, and learning how to teach this word of God. You know, I remember arriving in this church, man, this church from day one when I arrived in it 20 years ago. It was, I was like, I was pushed into growth. I mean, growth was a value. It was like, I was a baby Christian and they were like, okay, you lead a connect group. I was like, whoa, hang on a second. (laughs) You know, from day one, I've always just been, you know, challenged to grow in the space and many times on my knees going, Jesus, I don't think I can do this. Um, and, and, and that's so good. (laughs) And that is so good. That's the type of church we want to be. We grow is a value. Were we faithful to grow? Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I, I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There comes a time in our walk where we've got to go, you know what? It's, it's time to, to be a father in the faith. It's time to start thinking about the next generation. It's time to stop being so consumed with my own need and my own little stuff and start thinking, how many women can I gather around me and disciple? And change their lives and impact their lives with the, with the word of God. How fruitful can I be? How can I grab some men around me and, and start imparting the wisdom that I've got, the things that I've learned? Listen, I want you to know that if you think that you're waiting for the special moment where it's just like all going to be perfect and you're going to be totally perfect and then you can start like reproducing, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, if Trish and I waited for the right perfect moment before we had kids... We'll still be waiting. <laughs> they were thrust upon us. <laughs> and we were like, what? You know, I had to be a dad suddenly. And, you know, and I, I think this is, this is what God wants. He wants us to grow, guys. 
So why do we stop growing? I, I, I've, I have a feeling that a number of us are stuck. Why do we stop growing? I want to give you three reasons, and then we'll wrap this message. Firstly, I believe we stop growing when we stop connecting with others. That's the first thing. You know, when, when you, Jesus said this, okay, when we stop connecting with Jesus and others, Jesus said this, he said, I am, in John 15, he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you're not connected to me, you wither away and you die. What does that tell us? It tells us this. It says that if you have regular connection with Jesus, you will grow. And I can vouch for this. You know, I, I've, if you have a time where you wake up and you meet with Jesus, there are times where I've met with Jesus and he said to me, Champ, I want you to do this. And I go, Jesus, why didn't you just kill me? <laughs> you know, it's not what I want to do. It's not what I feel comfortable doing. I've never been comfortable in this walk, you know. It's, it, when we connect with Jesus, he matures us. He grows. He gives us assignments. He calls us out of our comfort zones. When you, you will stop growing when you stop connecting with Jesus. If you don't have that regular time with Jesus, you will, start, you will not grow. And not only Jesus, but the body as well. Paul gave this illustration. He said the body, we're like all members of a body. So if I had to take my finger off, away from the body, what happens to my finger? It stops growing. It dies. And it's the same with the church. Okay, We're all members of the church, but when we disconnect from the body, we don't grow. It's, it's when we're in community that we get rubbed the wrong way <laughs> and we get to practice the one another's of Scripture and we grow. Okay, and, and we learn from each other and there's wisdom from each other. And So when you disconnect, you stop growing. And I want to challenge you today. Are you disconnected? Are you meeting with Jesus? Are you meeting with the people of God? If you're not, I can tell you now, you will be stuck in some way. Secondly, we stop growing when we stop receiving. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes in our walk with maturity, we get to the place where we think we know it all. Like we've heard that sermon, yeah, that's not for me, that's for somebody else. Yeah, I should have brought that person, it would have been great for them. You know, like we can get familiar with the word. We can get familiar with our Bibles and, and we can get familiar with a sermon or, or, a, or even a connect group. And, and you know, I, I remember hearing like a, a mature person in the faith saying once, not, not in our church, saying, saying, oh, I'm just so done with connect group. You know, I'm just so done with like, oh, another Bible study or, and I, I think there were reasons like a burnout or whatever, but I just, when I heard that, I prayed, I said, Lord, let me, Never think that I'm above a connect group. Let me never think that. Let me, let me never think that I'm above a church gathering. Let me think that I'm, never, I'm above just opening the word and reading it. Let me never get to that place where I just think like, that. I'm, I did that, I'm, I'm above that, or I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm above a prayer meeting, I pray with Jesus. You know, let me never fall into that trap of where I stop receiving. Where I don't have a heart to receive. James said this, the other son of thunder. <laughs> he said, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's an attitude that we need to have towards the word of God. 
And this is why we pray our prayer before we get into the Word. What is that prayer that I, that I pray before I preach when we open the Bible? It's a prayer where we say, where we're honoring the Word. We say that we believe your plans are for us are good, but everything good starts with this Word. Your Word brings life. It brings healing. It brings direction. We treasure your Word more than our daily bread. And so we boldly confess our mind is alert, our hearts are receptive. Speak, Lord. It's, what is that? It's about having an attitude of meekness when we come to this word, that we don't know it all, that we haven't yet, you know, that we, we're not familiar with it or above it in some way, but that we really need it and that we really need God to help us do it. We stop growing when we stop receiving. And thirdly, we stop growing when we stop practicing our faith. Um, you know, James says this, he said, With, faith without works is dead. Like there has to be some action to our faith. Last week Sunday, after the service, Asipe was, we were, we were just chatting, having some chat time, and she said to me, you know, when I arrived in this church, I, I tried to hide and stuff, and then I did BFC and I was teaching at BFC that time and she came up after this, the lecture to me and she said she was looking for a pastoral moment. <laughs> she was looking for this moment of like pastor care. She came and she said, you know what, Pastor Wayne, I'm just so stuck. You know, I just feel like, like I had this walk with God and now I'm just like stuck. And so she was looking for like some sort of comfort or some sort of like, let me pray for you, sweetie. Let me help you. What did she get? She got, so when you, are you, are you leading a connect group? She said, no. So I said, okay, you need to lead a connect group. <laughs> you, need, you need to start giving away what you've got and then you'll get unstuck. And she was like, what? I've like been in this church a couple of weeks and you're telling me I need to lead a connect group and that's like the answer to this. I'm looking for love and nurturing and whatever. And I was like, when the CPO was telling me the story last week, I was like, I was like, oh no, did I, did I misread the moment? Did I, was this where I was supposed to be pastoral and I was just like vision and let's go and let's do, you know? And she was like, no, that's exactly what I needed. I've been a Christian for a number of years and I needed to have an outflow. I needed to start practicing my faith and giving it away. And the Dead Sea, guys, is the Dead Sea because it has a river flowing into it, but nothing flowing out of it. We stop growing when there's no outflow. When there's no expression of your faith, you, be, you will start to die and feel unstuck and like, where is God and why me? And, and you be, we just, you know, but when we practice our faith, we start to grow. Amen. So this is why we have an iConnect. We send out a, a sermon summary and discussion guide for every sermon. It's on the WhatsApp. If you're not connected, send a note to the, to the, to the WhatsApp number, the church WhatsApp number. But every, every week, in the, in the iConnect, you'll see there's a faithful section and there's a fruitful section. And in the fruitful section, we challenge you to, to go out and do something, to go and practice your faith. And I want to encourage you, start taking note of that section. Start putting it in your diary on a weekly basis. We're not just writing random things there. We're doing it all prayerfully. We're trying to mature you in your faith. Take that fruitful section and schedule it and make sure that you go and practice it. And let me tell you something, you will grow. Amen? So in this church, we want to be a church where we value growth. 
where we where every one of us are taking responsibility we're realizing it's not going to be automatic we've got to connect we've got to make sure we're receiving we've got to make sure we're practicing the word so we're all growing in our faith and what we have designed for you is this thing called the growth plan okay we have an awesome plan to grow you in your faith. It's where you can start as a baby Christian and we lead you on a journey to maturity. So we have a four short courses that you can do that are specifically designed to grow you in your faith. And the big announcement today, drum roll, brrr, is that it's now online and it's available to the whole church to do. I mean, isn't that cool, okay? So there's cheering in the room, guys. It's been a long time coming. If you go to our website and you click grow, what you will find is that there is a growth plan there with a course called the BFC, the CMC, the DMC, and the Advance. And we would like to invite you to go there to register online and start plugging into those courses. All right. The, in fact, in particular, we want to say the CMC is finished. It's up there. We want to encourage you to go and do the CMC. The BFC is almost finished, so you can also start that BFC at the moment as well. And it will be finished by the time you finish, I'm sure. But this is a journey of growth. It's, it's, this is, we want everyone in our church to value this, to like say, okay, if I'm going to take responsibility for my walk, let me go to the growth plan. And let me see what, what course. Let me start at BFC. And don't think you're above BFC. If you haven't, you know, I've got many Christians who come to it and they, like, they're old and mature in their faith. I still tell them, go do the BFC. You know, we've had people who are elders in other churches come to this church and start at the BFC. They could have taught it. They could have taught it, but they've sat there in humility, never saying I'm above this. Let me catch the heart of this people, this group of people. And they've done, they've walked through the BFC. That's what we're building in this church. That's who we are. We're people who can still receive, no matter what, okay? So I encourage you to start at the BFC or the CMC and move your way through that course. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and